0: Welcome to The Recap, an all virtual newscast wrapping up this week in Oklahoma. I'm Macy Ellerick,
1: And I'm Kenzie Watson. Topping the news this week is a single question. Is it over? And if not, when? Our curve is flattening in Oklahoma, and I am so proud of the job that Oklahomans are doing. We are making tremendous progress But like I've said before, now is not the time to take our foot off the gas. But Governor Kevin Stitt says
0: while the models are improving,
1: it doesn't mean life
0: can get back to normal. The governor said the state is preparing a plan on how to begin reopening businesses that were shut down to prevent the spread of the virus. The governor is recommending social distancing remain in place and urged Oklahomans to rethink any unnecessary trips. If you have to go to the grocery store, make sure only one family member goes. He also extended the safer-at-home order until May 6th for those most at risk from the coronavirus. The new models predict Oklahoma will see its peak of COVID-19 cases on April 30th. The model also shows that Oklahoma will require fewer hospital beds, intensive care beds, and ventilators than first feared. Right now, more than 130 Oklahomans have died from the virus. The governor signed a new executive order which will allow some elective
1: surgeries to resume April 24th. The order will allow for procedures to correct non-life-threatening conditions if they have the potential to lessen a person's chance of serious illness or death. The order also allows minor medical procedures and non-emergency
0: dental procedures to resume May 1st. The Red Cross is looking for people who have successfully fought off COVID-19. The organization wants recovered coronavirus patients to donate their blood plasma. The plasma contains antibodies that fight the virus. Blood plasma from someone who has recovered from COVID-19 is being given to patients for the virus who are facing life-threatening infections. If you're a candidate for this, or want to find out more information, go to redcrossblood.org. Oklahoma may be winning the war against COVID-19, but the battle over how to fund the crisis is far from over. The Oklahoma legislature
1: has taken the governor to court to enforce the bipartisan funding solution. The legislature wants to use money from the state's rainy day fund to fully fill the revenue failure for this fiscal year, which ends in June but they can only access the final millions if the state officially declares a revenue failure. And that can't happen until the Board of Equalization meets. The governor initially canceled that meeting after he said the House leaders went back on their word on a funding agreement and cut money going to the state's digital transformation efforts. But the board is now scheduled to
0: meet next week. Needless to say, it's a complicated time at the Capitol and everywhere in Oklahoma. For a special perspective on the health and mental health of Oklahoma, ENN's Riley Eisenhower spoke with the state representative and doctor, Randy Randleman.
2: Hi, I'm Riley Eisenhower with Epic News Network, and today I'm joined by Representative Randy Randleman. Hi.
3: Hello, how are you?
2: I'm good, how are you? I'm great. So, I have a few questions revolving the pandemic currently going around COVID-19. So, how is the legislature handling the pandemic?
3: And, you know, since the pandemic is here, uh, we have done a lot of uh, uh, discussing with each individuals uh, through Zoom uh, video. Uh, We have had uh, the uh, legislator go to the Capitol. Um, They allowed you to go to the Capitol if you were not immune deficient. Uh, For myself, I had a bone marrow transplant in October. So my immune system is down, so I have to listen by video, and I vote by proxy. Now, at the Capitol, they're letting eight people go down to the floor at a time to vote. Um, I think um, all of the people were at the Capitol except for 13 of us who were immune deficient. So it's worth
2: So is COVID as serious as the media is making it out to be?
3: Uh, you know, of course, this is an opinion. Uh, you know, I've not done studies in that area. But I do not think it's just uh, something that people have kind of put out there. I think it's a real virus. I think it's different than others. Uh, look at the number of people uh, that get it and the ones that have died. Um, also, the people that are over 65 and have some other health condition uh, that's for most of their best deaths are coming from. So that's a reason for me that I'm more restricted because I would be in that really risk range.
2: So, um, on the topic of being restrictive, what are you personally doing to stay safe?
3: Okay, uh, for example, I'm a uh, licensed psychologist and we evaluate almost 1,100 children a year. So, uh, you would think that that would shut my business down. So. What I actually did was take one wall in our office and cut a space out and put a window in. And we put a mic system in there. So just before I was talking to you, I was interviewing a parent on a psychological evaluation, but there's a window in between, so I take no risk of getting that virus. We screen people outside for fever. Uh, We do not allow people to sit in our lobby anymore. They have to stay in their cars. And we only let the people in that we're doing the testing with or the ones that I'm doing the interview with the parent. Um, Other than that, out in public, uh, I mostly stay at home and work. Uh, If I go out and talk to someone, I know they said keep an appropriate distance of six feet. I stay 10 feet uh, away from everybody. So try to take some extra precautions because I am at risk.
2: Yes. So on the topic of mental health, how is COVID and quarantine affecting that?
3: Um, I think it's affecting a lot of people. I don't think we've seen the results of it yet, but, you know, it's very difficult staying home when you're not used to it, and especially when people do not have the uh, aspect of uh, transportation, of going places, so I think it can cause a significant amount of depression. And then if we look at how many people are passing away and the effects that it has in the family. I'll give you one example. Uh, this is a personal example. My wife's father is in the hospital, and they're not sure if he, can, he will live or not, but no one can go visit him. Uh, so I know that's caused some problems with Jennifer. Uh, I know the other family members have had a difficult time, especially his wife, who cannot go in the
2: So what is a way people can cope with being home, stuck at home, the cabin fever, and maybe being even stuck in a not so good situation?
3: I'm kind of glad that you asked that because that was one of the topics uh, that I'm putting out this week uh, in my letter to the public. Um, So what we actually do is tell people that uh, set a plan. Don't just go home and say, you know, I'm just going to cope with everything. Get a piece of paper out and make your plan for the day. Like with if you have a 12-year-old, you know, if he has to stay in the home, that's okay. But you want to take certain breaks. Get a break, go outside, you can do a chore, uh, you can walk around, you can come back. uh, Because, you know, just being in the sunlight is helpful. Um, If people realize that there are more people depressed when it's cloudy than when the sun is out um and so that schedule is important talking to people getting on uh the internet or things like this uh you know talking with you uh interacting with other people those kind of things will kind of set that depression back and i think they'll function better
2: well thank you so much
3: okay all right appreciate you
0: thanks riley and thank you for joining us this week for the recap we hope you are checking out our website
1: and our social media pages for our students' stories throughout this crisis.